Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 37 The War Room It was the older crewman, Sternbridge, who came to collect me. I nodded when he asked me to follow him and managed to stand up without shaking. Where's the ritual to take place? I asked. In the warm room, Your Excellency. It is a big enough space, Sternbridge explained as he led me through the wolf craft. Good place for planning strategy, weighing opinions. We entered an elevator, lights on a panel pulsed. Sternbridge smiled. Sometimes when we have a bunch of civic dignitaries visiting, we refer to it as the conference suite, Your Excellency. Put out little sandwiches, that kind of thing. But basically, it's a big room where the officers get together and discuss ways of killing the people who are trying to kill us. I didn't realise so many people were trying to kill us. Sternbridge's smile and demeanour remained respectful, but somehow the respect skipped his eyes. And Feshka's safe enough, Your Excellency, he said, but out in the former war zone, things like staying alive with all your limbs attached can get a little more problematic. I smiled back at him. I see. So things haven't changed since I was there. Sternbridge blushed. His eyes were no longer blank. My apologies, Your Excellency, he said. I didn't realise you'd been out there. Twice, I said. Once with full military backup. Once with nothing but my wits and charm. The officer laughed, looked impressed, said, and doubtless scared the shit out of the bastards both times, Your Excellency. I did indeed, officer. Scared them so bad, the group I was after chose to wipe themselves out. Sternbridge's facial muscles flickered, as somewhere deep inside his skull, cognitive powers tried to kick a memory up to the front of his brain. He gave me a slow nod. My apologies, Your Excellency. I know now what you are talking about. His brow creased as he tried to recall more facts. Did you lose someone out there, Your Excellency? My wife, I said, managed not to gasp as pain flicked inside my chest. Sternbridge shook his head. Damned pirates, murdering scum. And the worst of it, I said, defying the bite of agony inside me. My wife was one of them.
Nothing more was said until we came to the war room. Sternbridge spoke, but distracted by fear and pain, I did not catch what he said. Sternbridge fixed me a firm, soldierly stare, gave a sharp nod, turned on his heel and walked away. I opened the door, stepped inside. I could not tell what size the room was. The only illumination was the flickering holographic candles in the centre of a long, oblong table. The rest of the room was lost in a darkness that seemed to stretch to the very ends of the cosmos. Both darkness and illumination were filled with the heavy, loaded silence that follows arguments and outbursts, threats and accusations. Looking at the people around the table, I was momentarily startled by a figure sat at the end furthest from me. Like an apparition from a cheap ghost story, the thin-framed figure was wrapped in chains. One eye dangled loose from its socket, the other blazed with lunacy, whilst fronds trailed from the figure's swollen mouth like ectoplasm. Had the ritual already begun, I wondered, and the gods sent this being as some emissary? Or was this a prank? A deliberate act of mockery and mutiny from sage and troopers denied their rightful crucifixion? Then I realised the figure was as real as me, for each of its shoulders was gripped sorely by an all-too-human hand. One hand belonged to Zanotto, the other to Jones. Though my initial confusion had robbed me of the ability to tell which was which. One of the gruesome twosome held the club that I had last seen before Talav's shrine. I knew then the broken bound figure was Bramlant, the augur, who had dared place a curse on my troopers. This little glint of clarity renewed my confidence considerably. It is a little early in the proceedings for a human sacrifice, Mr Jones, I remarked. It's Mr Zanotto, Your Excellency, the red-haired security man replied. He gestured with the club and explained, I was only endeavouring to dissuade Augur Bramlant from attempting any further disruptions. Jones, his bald comrade, nodded, grinned his mortician grin and added, the bastard had threatened to utter another curse. Bramlant's one undamaged eye blinked and looked towards Jones standing at his left. Further down the table from Jones sat Ifdek, his face flushed with anger, his body hunched over the table as if the knowledge he carried was crushing him. My vizier spoke to me in a tired, tight voice. Your Excellency... He said, We cannot afford any further delay. Bramlant needs to be silenced. Along from Ifdek, Talav sat silent, her hands flat on the table. Between her hands rested a long, thin dagger. She said nothing, simply stared at the thin blade before her. At the end of the table, where I stood, there was an empty chair. On the table before the chair 
was a great stone chalice. This, I understood, was my chair and my chalice. The chalice that would collect my blood. To the left of the empty chair sat Corkani. Your Excellency, he pleaded in his thin, irritating voice. Other Bramlin's wounds are so terrible, I doubt he knows who he is, let alone where he is or what is going on. To Corkani's left, halfway up the table and directly across from Ifdick, sat the massive figure of Admiral Jack, her long white hair tied back in a braid, her face lined with age and power. Her eyes were sightless, yet her face was turned in the direction of Talav, and her mouth tightened in what may have been an expression of fearful concern. Next to Admiral Jack stood Zanotto, gripping the club, and grinning down at Bramlant. It was then I heard a faint chuckle, but the sound did not come from anyone around the table. I stared into the gloom. Did something move there? A dark shape, perhaps? Again the chuckle, and in an instant my perspective changed. I seemed to be looking at the table from a higher elevation, and from some distance away. The table seemed but a tiny toy, and the figures around it, little dolls they played with, or smashed as the mood took me. I brimmed and gurgled with amused contempt, and just as quickly, my vision shifted once more. I was standing again at the table, looking at my companions. All was quiet. The only discernible change was with Zanotto, who was raising the club higher as if awaiting permission to kill Bramlant. I sat in my designated chair, rested a finger on the great stone goblet. Put down the stave, I said. Take the chains off the auger, remove the cloth from his mouth. Zanotto hesitated. And allow Bramlant to curse this assembly, your excellency. I spoke again, quietly, calmly. Please put down the stave. It has already been used and given in gift to the divinities. It is no longer ours to use. Zanotto paled in fear as he realised the impiety of his actions. Carefully he placed the dry blood and skin spattered piece of wood down on the table. What about Melkarisha, your excellency? asked Jones. What would happen if Bramlin offends him? Kokani spoke before I did. Perhaps, he said, you should address that question to the foul regent himself. I believe he is already with us. Thanks again for listening everybody and stay tuned, there will be more chapters coming up 
We're now starting to go into the dark fantasy part of the novel. So yeah, there's a lot more fun to come. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. Remember, staying at home, social distancing, it saves lives. And also it's a good time to slow down, reconnect with friends and family and ancient enemies. And maybe just reach out and put all your old arguments aside. And tell them there's a great sci-fi podcast they can listen to just to chillax. Alright, for more about me, check out rabfultonstories.weebly.com Alright, till next week, have fun. <laughs>